You're listening to the Whistle Pulse podcast with me, Laura Hanlon, keeping your finger on the pulse with all the local info you need to know. I've got you covered every weekday morning. Good morning. It is 6.46 on January 21st. How are you doing? Happy Friday. Hope you're doing well and you enjoyed some sunshine yesterday. Don't worry, you've got plenty more on the way as of today with the inversion already getting started on the mountain. Oh yeah, we're looking at temps above freezing actually at Harmony, look as, as well as Symphony this morning and Crystal. Uh, just hovering around minus two to minus one at the Rendezvous and Roundhouse at those elevations at 1800. Down in the valley, just above zero degrees, but uh, at the current temperature on 7th heaven is minus 1.7, peak though minus 4. We are going to see that change though and looking for an alpine high of 2 degrees but expect plus 5 to be the high tomorrow in the alpine and that's what with the change in wind direction from yesterday's southerly uh, direction to more of a north-northwesterly which is going to lock, well keep some cooler air in the valley and cause an alpine inversion Yeah, which we're really going to see transpire through the day today especially overnight into tomorrow and not really change until sort of Sunday when it's forecasted currently to really correct itself later on on Sunday. But no precipitation expected until, well, at least this time next week. Nothing. Nada. I know. So expect clear skies, some warm Alpine temperatures today, but hard packed conditions this morning on the hill. What with, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, some, it's being tough freezing levels and conditions over the past few days. No real new scenario. Of course, yesterday, seven centimeters, but uh, a little more in the Alpine that people were skiing yesterday. But it's going to be uh, firm underfoot and expect some pebbling until it gets, uh, well, that's going to be first thing this morning. And then like spring, it'll soften up later at those varying elevations, depending on how severe the swing is on the that inversion. But um, terrain wise, well, yesterday there was an early closure of Harmony due to a mechanical issue just after 1 p.m. And it closed, yeah, didn't open again after that. Some still GS and Harmony Peace and Harmony Ridge groomed today foreshadowed. That all is good and well over there. In fact, more runs groomed on black on Whistler today than there were yesterday by far. Forty-one runs on Whistler with the saddle and uh, Harmony Peaston to GS actually being runs of the day, along with fifty-one groomers on Blackcomb, uh, with Hughes Heaven and Ridge Runner are considered runs of the day today. But yeah, definitely a lot of variable spring conditions with a lot of firm skied out icy conditions. I'd say the tops of runs, some pebble. Uh, and uneven grooming in certain areas and then followed by uh, corn, sugar, a bit of slush. It's variable. It's spring skiing in January. It happens. But yeah, expect, like I said, some warm, sunny days over the next few days. So expect uh, to wear a bit of, well, great visibility, but variable underfoot. It'd just be nice, wouldn't it? There's some surfacing that you really just can't trust to put an edge in. Some really slashy turns coming into effect. But hey, uh, it makes you a better skier all around if you can ski on this stuff, right? Right? Huh. Your backcountry advisory, advisory, it does mean that we're going to have considerable... Oh, 
that was a mouthful, considerable avalanche danger in alpine and treeline elevations over the, well, forecast for the next couple of days. And that's due to this major warming, of course, the sun baking and the sun uh, effect that's going to happen. So it's going to destabilize the snowpack over the next few days. And that recent storm snow is expected to be reactive as well through today. So cornices could start to weaken, deep weak layers may begin to waken up, and wet loose activity is expected on those steep sun exposed slopes and apply that knowledge to inbound skiing as well you know uh not to be taken for granted and as much as uh you know sun bowl bumps are super fun to ski when they're slushy in the spring when you get to uh lower terrain it's going to be it's going to be like you know soft serve ice cream real schmooey in areas that haven't been skied so look out for that uh yeah and of course a change in conditions with those storm slabs becoming increasingly reactive but for valley weather over through today and the weekend, looking for a high of two degrees in the valley with a mix of sun and cloud. And although we've got an alpine, like that inversion forecast coming in today through tomorrow and then not really changing till Sunday, apparently more cloud forecast in the valley tomorrow with a high of three degrees. High of four expected on Sunday with a mix of sun and cloud, but our nighttime temperatures are going to be cool. Uh, yeah, so look out for ice in the valley, what with melt during the day with those warmer temperatures and then temperatures of, say, minus six coming into dawn at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, minus five overnight Saturday, about minus four on Sunday. And that sort of um, saying the trend until sort of Tuesday when we'll get some warmer, milder uh, overnight temperatures. But yeah, 8 a.m. sunrise today. Sunset is at 4.47. The coldest uh, January 21st on record in Whistle was back in 2008 at minus 14, but the warmest was in 1981 at 7.4 degrees. Sounds like some spring skiing was had that year in 81. Uh-huh. Current temperature as of this morning, yeah, zero degrees. Looking for a high today of two with a mix of sun and cloud. Mm-hmm. Ah, to also let you know about uh, long range wise. Well, uh, yeah, could be a great opportunity for some <laughs> cross country skiing. I had a table uh, c- uh, come in last night, some lovely people visiting from Quebec who were really enjoying some f- softer conditions yesterday too. Uh, Road wise, it does mean, yeah, this great weather is forecast to uh, give us some r- great road conditions. However, it could affect that, of course, avalanche instability could affect the Duffy Lake road so do keep your eyes peeled for any changes on that uh, that road and potential closures over the weekend no advisory from drive bc but yeah it could be of course uh some 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 changes there so keep your eyes peeled yeah uh, what's happening in and around town though a couple things well uh, the I've, i mentioned yesterday that the whistler pride and ski festival uh will be returning on january 23rd right through until january 30th 30th so you can expect to see the fitzsimmons bridge light up in rainbow fashion between those dates the pride parade will also be next friday a week today between 3 and 4 p.m uh on that friday january uh January 28th uh, between oh Skiers Plaza yeah to Olympic Plaza uh, there'll be a wooden heart display as well along with uh, an update here for uh, totally unrelated sorry yeah uh, other events online so make sure you do uh, check out for any other events so you can have a look on whistler.ca as well for events but I'll let you know next week what'll be happening especially what with the Snowden comedy tour and the comedy event happening at the Whistler Conference Center next week too but uh, due to 
the fitness centre at Manitou Park reopening, you should know that there is a new office course procedure, what with them operating at 50% capacity. You do need to get a, a time slot booking. That's for pass holders to be able to get a 75-minute bookable time slot between 6am and 8.15pm each day of the week. And yeah, you can book up to 72 hours in advance as a pass holder, but drop-in access will be first come first serve uh, starting at the start time of each time slot booking like I said it's in 75 minutes blocks so that's for the fitness center Uh, it doesn't apply for the pool Uh, yeah that pool and public uh, drop uh, public skating is is drop-in still at a 50 percent capacity and there's a new exhibition coming to the Squamish Lillooet Cultural Centre. It opens on February 15th, but there's actually going to be an early exhibit that opens today. That's right. Uh, to, you can experience it early from today through to Sunday uh, next week until it opens on February 15th again. And it's called uh, uh, Our Living Languages. And it's a co-production actually with the First People's Cultural Council, along with the Royal BC Museum, uh, supporting uh, the revitalization a revitalization of First Nations languages, arts and cultures in BC. So should be absolutely fascinating that new exhibition that's at the SLCC with a kicks off February 15th properly, but you'll be able to glimpse it for a week from today through to next Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, what other events to let you know about this weekend? Uh, da, 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 what day are we today? I can't believe it. It's uh, the 21st. So uh, there could be, uh, there will be some live music across our bar scene. You can check in with the Hair Farmers to see on their website where they're playing along with uh, hopefully some live music again at the Dublin Gate. But uh, event-wise at the library, you've got a teen book club today between 4 and 5 p.m. if you weren't aware for teens that that's happening. You've got Journaling with Jewels on Sunday in the afternoon, 3.30 until 5 p.m. And the library is hosting an external uh, virtual event, uh, a virtual discussion, really. It's a recovery-oriented support group, self-help group for mental health or substance use condition between 10.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. And this is going to be on Fridays. And it's on behalf of their friends at the Canadian Mental Health Association. There's a Zoom link here, password. You can do it all from home anonymously in an opportunity to share hopes and struggles, some insights, coping strategies for any sort of mental health. But also substance use condition, a re- yeah, amazing resource that the library are helping uh, give give a real good space to on Fridays. Yeah. Sorry to break the news to you that uh, Meatloaf passed away this morning, or rather, uh, yeah, during the night, um, be, uh, on British time, I believe. But yeah, the age of 74 passed away, so I'm sure you'll have time for some Meatloaf today. I bet you Stinky's on the stroll, Will, who was mentioned in a comment, somebody asking online in the Whistle Winter group, you know, oh, hey, got some friends coming in. What are your best powder runs? Nah, mate, doesn't, you don't get that easy. <laughs> get it that easily. But also asking which bar is the better vibe for APRE and somebody commenting online that smaller locally owned barns rather than the big ones. And uh, I agree with that. Absolutely. With Stinky's son, the troll, a nice little typo. (laughs) 
uh, there and many other bars and local uh, locally owned spots with a great apres scene. A uh, beautiful image last night. I was working actually at Nagomi Sushi last night. Uh, so lovely to see some familiar faces uh, in the, for dinner last night. And Speedy is recovering well. But uh, yeah, before whilst I was working, I got to check out the sunset. How gorgeous was the sunset last night? Well, Harriet McElduin down in Squamish captured it over the house sound, and oh, what a beauty! But I hope you got to see some uh, colourful rays last night. It was stunning. Uh, yeah, what else is happening? Well, uh, local photographer Mason Michon is actually an, uh, a guest on this week's episode of the Low Pressure Podcast, which would be really interesting to hear from him. He's, uh, yeah, got his Fleur's background and all his photography. Super fascinating individual. That'd be really cool to check out. I'm having a look at if there are any birthdays to shout outs for the weekend. How about the fact it is going to be, oh, Bridget. Uh, yeah, it's your birthday to Bridget Mary. Uh, birthday on January 23rd, Sunday. Happy birthday for you then, including Cowboy Rob's birthday on the 23rd. Nikki Bowling's birthday is coming up as well the same day, uh, Sunday. So Sunday's going to be a celebratory day for a few uh, lovely people. Nikki, happy birthday. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, but nobody today. Yeah. Forbes uh, Kelly, he's left town. So let me give you some awesome throwback facts from Stinky's on the Stroll, including this grisly one from 1793. Uh, yeah, uh, Louis XVI of France did lose his head by guillotine. Yeah, following his conviction for high treason by the Convention Nationale, the newly created French parliament. Mm-hmm, 1793. Uh, Black Monday was on this day in 2008. Yep. The Bee Gees, and I'm not a huge, well, I do like disco, but um, I'm not into the Bee Gees personally, but this album Saturday Night Fever went to number one on this day in 1978 for 24 weeks. Mm-hmm. And John McEnroe, for those of you watching Chapo, uh, did Chapo win last night? Yeah, chapeau in the Australian Open. He became the first ever player to be expelled, uh, not chapeau, John McEnroe <laughs> became the first ever player to be expelled from the Aussie Open back on this day in 1990. But really great news that chapeau uh, beat um, Oscar Bar? Orkespa? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did fall asleep uh, during the uh, final set. But a couple birthdays that would have happened today. Uh, you know, it would have been Jam Master Jay's birthday from Run DMC. Yeah. Born on this day in 1965. It's also Robert Del Naya's birthday from Massive Attack. Born on this day in 1965. If you've seen a Banksy documentary, you'll know that there's a conspiracy, well, a theory that he could well be uh, a Banksy. Yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, on this day in 1982, did you know that B.B. King uh, donated his entire record collection of over 20,000 discs to Mississippi University's Center for the Study of Southern Culture? <laughs> yeah, pretty damn cool. Uh, along with uh, this day in 1968, Jimi Hendrix actually recorded his version of All Along the Watchtower, yeah, uh, by Bob Dylan. I didn't realize that Brian Jones, actually, the drummer from Rolling Stone that recently passed away, he did the percussion on the track, as and uh, Dave Mason from Traffic uh, actually played the 12-string guitar on that session. So, yeah, that was released in, in 1968, uh, a little later 
later on in the year. Peaked at number 20, but no, he was uh, that work was recorded on this day. Hell of a track. And another uh, fact for you here, well, Billy Idol was uh, pleaded guilty to assault and battery charges on this day in 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was outside a West Hollywood restaurant and he was fine, but ordered to appear in a series of anti-drug commercials. That's, uh, that's why they came about. Yeah. Uh, well, Adele would have been, um, she was number one on this, on the album chart with the second album on this day in 2012. Do you know that album has sold over 26.4 million copies? Yeah, but Adele was due to appear actually at her residency in Vegas for the first night tonight, but a show isn't ready first few uh, shows have been cancelled whilst they do more prep to that, she announced. Yeah, says your news. I hope uh, you've got some fun planned for the weekend. Some sunscreen definitely should be in your forecast. But don't go anywhere. We've got a very special guest in the local lounge. I'm going to introduce him very shortly. But a joke and a track for you, as always. Yeah, I don't trust Des. They're always up to something along with a track that uh, I'm really enjoying skiing to at the minute from a, uh, well, he's a French DJ. Really cool set of his, a good mix of his online actually from the Midi de, oh, where was it? It was in the Alps, but it looks like it's out the front of like Blackcomb Peak, you know, right by Lakeside Bowl there in the summer with all the light projections. But some really cool uh, house vibes from this DJ from Marseille in France actually. And he's working on his first album but lots of kind of uh well trance influences a bit of german kind of minimal techno as well so very electronic from nto it's anyone's guess what the nto is an acronym for and there's a few of those floating around the place but his track beyond control is track of the day for your friday hope you dig it that's his latest release but like i said he's working on his first album but uh yeah uh let me give with no further ado an introduction to today's guest on the local lounge none other than gd maxwell yeah, very, uh, very excited to share a wonderful conversation with us where he waxes lyrical and some history of Whistler and uh, yeah, uh, for all he does in the community too, his maxed out column is uh, always such a, a you know, uh, uh, well, he puts it well, you know, somebody told him that, uh, you know, I always read what you, what you write, but I don't always agree with it. And, you know, you don't have to, that's life, having opinions and inciting discussions. So I hope you're really enjoy our chat in this week's local lounge gd uh, aka max thanks so much for joining and uh I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there happy friday the whistle pulse local lounge Max, it's Laura. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, good. How was your day? Uh, you know, a mix of this, a mix of that, some uh, <clears throat> skiing in at least three different climate zones from <laughs> the top to the bottom of a single run. So true. Where did you ski today? <laughs> uh, when or where did you say? Uh, where? On Whistler. Okay, yeah, I skied Blackcomb today, but between roughly 10 and noon. So I totally hear you. Definitely variable visibility, uh, some skied out sections mixed with pebbles slash death cookies, and then slush is what I found. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Although I I have to say, I I, I like the fog. The fog's okay. Oh, okay, okay. It's funny. 
this season's actually very nostalgic of the first season I was here. Which would have been which year? Uh, sort of ninety two, ninety three. Wow! And I and I realized early on because I was not a particularly accomplished skier at the time, having taken the sport up late in life, <laughs> that uh, if you if you if I didn't get comfortable skiing in the fog, I wasn't going to ski very much that season. <laughs> and and one of the things I found is when you do get comfortable or when I got comfortable, I understood why there were so many good skiers in Whistler. <laughs> it, it wasn't just that, you know, you could get a lot of days in. It was that you, you, you know, you, you had to really develop a good sense of balance and feel because you couldn't always see where you were going. Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head. I think that's uh, such a crucial <clears throat> part of why, yeah, people people are so conditioned to ski in so, many, so much different terrain, but also conditions. I mm-hmm. think that the yellow lens, you know, that I don't know which brand of goggles came out with, dubbed it the Whistler lens because it can be so perpetually foggy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that you have to be really, really well balanced, exactly, and versatile on your skis. Good point. As I, as I used to say to, to people, People, especially tourists, uh, trust your feet, not your eyes. Your yeah. eyes, your eyes will lie to you. <laughs> they go so, like, "What do you mean your eyes will lie to you?" And I said, "Well, I don't know. Haven't you ever been in a bar around closing time?" And you know, <laughs> everybody started to look pretty good. <laughs> so true, especially here in Whistler as well. <laughs> yeah. So you've been here since 1992, Max. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you've seen so much change, which uh, I know we're going to get to talking about because uh, you wax lyrical about it too in your Maxed Out column. And how long have you been writing for The Peak for now? A little over 26 years, Amazing. believe it or not. Yeah. And what, what gave you, uh, what's your literary background? We've, uh, we've, when we finally, when we actually met in November, I didn't know uh, uh, who I was talking with at the time, but you were talking about how the literary club of Whistler is more of a guise for the whiskey club of, uh, <laughs> of Whistler. That's where the notes come in. But, but what, what led you to your literary uh, you know, enterprise with the peak here in Whistler? I think I think Bob offered me uh, a chance to write a column because he got tired of me writing letters to the editor. Or <laughs> I, actually, I think because he was fairly amused at the letters to the editor that I, that I did write. And I'd, I'd done a couple of uh, features for him because I wanted to do some of the cool things there were to do in Whistler, but I didn't necessarily want to pay for him. So oh, good, good idea. I yeah. thought, hey, you know, I'll write a story about it, and you know, maybe he'll pay me and. <laughs> That was a pipe dream because early on, Peak uh, wasn't making enough money to even pay pay the people who owned it and ran it. Uh, oh, hopefully times have changed. Times have changed, <laughs> although the pandemic's been a challenging two years. Absolutely, absolutely. Which, uh, I mean, I, I, you've come here, you've been here since 1992. There I was looking at a, a map. I don't know if you spotted it. Somebody posted a map of Whistler, a Blackcomb Mountain ski map from 1980. And it's created quite a lot of discussion about, you know, the changes. I was just uh, chatting with a longtime local at lunch. He lives in Pemby now. His name was Craig. I didn't catch his last name, but, you know, he was talking about his first, uh, you know, summer here, well, winter here in 72. But I'm looking at the ski map. 
that from 1980. And to see just how much change has happened since then, I mean, 40 something years, it's a long time, but, but in, from 1992, but, uh, you know, you've seen the Olympics come through town and so much infrastructure development, the highway change. But, uh, but now with the pandemic, we've got more change than ever, especially with new, uh, new resort owners as well. Uh, how long have, how long have Vail been owned Whistler now for? Is it four or five years? Uh, I don't know. Mm. Whatever it is, it seems longer. <laughs> so given your lengthy history in the Valley and your uh, the way I put it, succinct, like, ridden ruminations on the change of sea scene, what do you think uh, is the, your most favorite change that you've seen in the Valley? Uh, you know, I, I have this bent towards history. Mm. And I think it, it, it's largely as a result of living in a town whose history, whose modern history is contemporary with my own life, mm. which is to say uh, Whistler Mountain isn't older than I am. So, yeah, there was Alta Lake Village here before that, but really if you if you sort of look at modern Whistler as having started when uh, the guys who wanted to... Uh, have a go at the 68 Olympics mm. said, Hey, let's build a ski hill here. This has all happened within my lifetime. Yeah. And I've had the opportunity to talk to many, most even of the people who built this town, mm-hmm. you know, who, who were the, the pioneers, who were the founding, you know, mothers and fathers. Absolutely. So, so I got to answer your question two ways. Yeah. One, one is historically uh, my favorite change was building Black Home Mountain, mm, okay. and that 1980 map you saw was the first year. Yeah, yeah. For Black Home. Were you there on opening day? Apparently, December fourth, they cut the ribbon with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? I didn't even ski in 1980. Oh, <laughs> like I said, I came to you it came late in '82. Exactly, of course, but but, but I didn't start skiing till uh, 1986. You know, wow. I was like 35 years old. Amazing. Uh, because I was always too much of an impoverished student to afford to go skiing. But anyway, <laughs> Black Home Mountain, uh, Black Home Mountain was the sea change. You know, it set the stage for Whistler, the town, moving from being just a little local, maybe regional ski hill to a de- destination resort. mm mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it became, it it developed the potential to become what it is today. Absolutely. Mm. So, you know, the second half of the answer is, and, and more recently, even though it's not, you know, it still seems like history to a lot of people who live here, <laughs> uh, my favorite change was the successful establishment and growth of the Whistler Housing Association. Uh-huh, you're right. Uh, uh, you know, despite whatever sniping you might read about <laughs> the WHA, it's been hugely successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, everybody I've ever interviewed uh, about getting into a WHA property, whether it was rental or ownership, said a version of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now I can get on with my life. 
I can relate to that. I mean, uh, yeah, WHA rental and to not have the, the threat of being evicted or, yeah. or drastic price changes or all of those things to finally feel like you can uh, breathe a little easy and put some money away to start affording a home. It's, uh, yeah, I can relate to that absolutely, despite some changes in their structure now with rental, but that's, it's yeah, a really good, uh, a really good thought there. Wow. Because how and, long And I, have to, be, I mm. have to be completely transparent. Uh, for the last two years, I've been a member of the board of directors of the Housing Association, ah, but I've been a cheerleader since the get-go, you know, yeah. from from Steve Bailey to Rick Staley to Tim Wake to Marla Zucht. Mm. Uh, you know, I've been a big cheerleader for the Housing Association because I've seen other places, uh, notably the town named... For, for, who, for whom our current owner is named, where uh, people don't live there. Absolutely, like Aspen too. Like how many people are being pushed out of those communities in Colorado for, for just because it's so unsustainable? You're so right. There was a lot of foresight. I think we're seeing that a lot in in dialogue online about that. A lot of foresight from the Whistler Housing Authority to be able to provide options for people. You're right. And, and not just foresight, but I mean, it was a battle. We, mm. we had a sitting mayor of Whistler who, you know, said people would have to be crazy to buy a home that had a cap on appreciation. But yeah, <laughs> you know there were torches and pitchforks at uh. the uh, at the open house where the 19 Mile Creek development was debated, mm-hmm. and you know the, the the council that was sitting at the time took a lot of crap from people over that, right? A, a lot, like you know, threatening sort of stuff. Oh man! And yet, you know, it, it's a gem of a community, mm, mm. and even some of the most vocal. Uh, detractors, you know, finally came around and said, hey, we were wrong. You know, this is a great, this is a great development. And what a what a different uh, time as well in terms of dialogue and solution oriented discussions. Like you said, there you know people were almost ready with the pitchforks, but now we have a digital age where you know dialogue is so quickly thrown about online, and and the opportunity to have you know discussions in person, given the pandemic, especially has been have, we've been kind of robbed of it a little. And some of the, I think the etiquette has really gone out of having those discussions. Uh, you know. Um, I think, yeah, that's it's been so tough online to to see through the mire sometimes. But that's interesting that you say that there was a lot of opposition. But like you said, it came it came around, which is so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which which should bring us then to as well. What you would uh, would deem your least favorite change, and I think you should do it again, like historically, and then <laughs> uh, from personal experience too. Yeah, interesting question. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> uh, it's it's not an unusual place for me to be. <laughs> no. Uh, my my least favorite change in many ways was the acquisition or merger, depending on who you talk to, of Whistler Mountain and Blackcomb Mountain. Right. Uh-huh. After years of being friendly competitors, but emphasis on competitors, mm-hmm. suddenly they were one entity. And, and that, that single event really set the stage for many of the things that followed, both the successes and 
the problems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, had it not been for those two coming together, which may have been ine- inevitable and may not have been, mm. uh, a lot of the things we're grappling with right now simply wouldn't have happened. Interesting, right? Because I mean, I've heard about you know when you could get a cup of hot chocolate on Blackcombed, and that would be an incentivization to come ski Blackcombed instead of Whistler. Uh, all those kind of, like you said, uh, those friendly rivalries, the friendly competition that meant there was no longer there wasn't a monopoly. You know, there was always uh, some really good competition. In fact, yeah, I, I, I learned more about that on the 50th anniversary of of Whistler with the you know the footage that they brought out of some of those pioneers and learning a lot more about it. But but super interesting that you say that that has, of course, led to the huge growth and therefore the problems as well that come with that too. Mm-hmm. Mm, what specifically are you thinking about? Well, a, a, a number of things. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously that merger led to, a, you know, even a bigger profile than we had before when it was two separate mountains. Mm-hmm. It, it also led to, you know, such uh, things that some people probably won't celebrate as the acquisition by Fortress uh, mm-hmm. in, and the, by our current uh, our current owners. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's so true. I mean, but then and it's funny because I think about how long I've been here for eleven years. And would I have necessarily come to Whistler? You know, if uh, if it wasn't the town it is. I mean, I actually didn't want to come because I thought it would be too big. I'd, I'd skied on smaller ski fields in New Zealand and thought, oh, I don't know. And when I got here, sure enough, I found it to be cliquey and and hard to kind of integrate into the community being just a Brit with a visa, you know, and uh, with a potential uh, expiry date on her on her trip here. Uh, but but it's it's hard to imagine where where else could have become that mega resort in Canada. What with the the connections to Vancouver, the proximity rather, all of that. We've seen such exponential growth, but now it seems like we're in a phase of decline. You know, it's so much that seems so unsustainable um, for for a lot of people right now. Well, and I think that's that's what we're discovering. Mm. Uh, you know, when, when I look at the sort of challenges we're facing, uh, I, I, I kind of break them down into size, growth, wealth, and aging. Right. Uh, the, the fact is Whistler became too big too fast. And part of that was... You know, our growth was supercharged. I don't want to get too wonky about this, but, Mm -hmm. you know, when when Whistler was uh, dancing in and out of bankruptcy in the early 80s, uh, the the province came in and saved our bacon. Mm -hmm. But part part of the deal in doing that was a swath of land uh, that they were going to, you know, have in their back pocket to develop, and that's how partly they were going to get some of of their investment in Whistler back. Mm Mm-hmm. And that all happened. That's that's all that land, sort of you know, north of Village Gate Boulevard, uh, and market you know marketplace. Mm. And that whole thing, they they decided sort of all at once, hey, let's build this, and and they did. Uh, and not too many years after that, the council of the day sort of gave the green light to a uh, an intra-west proposal that led to. 
the redevelopment of Creekside sort of all at once. Mm -hmm. You know, both of those things together resulted in really a a two-decade focus on the part of both the business community and the councils of the day Mm -hmm. uh, on the metric of occupancy rate. Right. Heads in bed. Mm -hmm. And what followed was pulling out all the stops to try to put heads in beds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and it was very successful, and, and certainly the Olympics gave it a huge boost. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, we find out, you know what, we, we really don't have the total infrastructure we need to continue to feed the beast of that size. Yeah. And that's what the pandemic's been showing us. And the cracks were there before the pandemic, but, you know, it, re- it really brought it home. Yeah, you can see that in empty retail spaces. I mean, even in in, in the village center, where right by the cinema there, you know, all yeah. that alcove is has been dead for years, along with Creekside, you know, really struggling. A lot of businesses there and now with a gondola, uh, you know, a new gondola replacing the current infrastructure there on Red Chair and Creekside, I think that's going to impact businesses so much there in this this summer as well because there's going to be less traffic less bike traffic and bike park access too but you're right the cracks have been there for i've seen them in my time here mm. oh boy yeah yeah you know that getting that big and having that much growth feed the place uh you know it was bumping up against the bed unit cap assuming there still is one mm. And, you know, what that brought, with the exception of uh, employee housing, is uh, a stratospheric rise in, in, in prices. Yeah. Uh, which brings us to wealth, of course, you know, because urban land economics and the bed cap and market forces and the fact that, you know, any developer is going to look at a piece of land and try to build the biggest, most profitable thing they can build on it, mm. uh, you know, we end up with these massively large, uh, incredibly expensive homes, many of which are purchased by people with no real connection to Whistler other than as a line on their balance sheet. Yeah, yeah. And and it's led to, you know, these dark, empty neighborhoods of, of large homes that nobody who actually lives here can afford. Yeah, it's so true, so true. So we're seeing so many, you know, long-time members of the community leaving, be it even to, well, Pemby and Squamish, but a lot of people moving further afield as well because, like you said, it's uh, it's the, the, the options are just more... They're getting squeezed out of the community, absolutely. Well, interestingly enough, it's as though, it's as though you were prompting me here, Laura. <laughs> yeah. you know, this, this sort of brings us to the aging conundrum, uh, which is both organic, which is to say, you know, all those original 1970s, what Charlie Doyle calls hippie jocks, (laughs) who who came here and skied on the UIC ski team and, and, you know, did jobs in the summer, and other early Whistlerites who kind of built the town, Mm. they're getting older. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a a lot of them fit the definition of house rich and cash poor. Right. And, you know, when they, when they decide it's, it's time to leave, you know, the, the retirement fund they have to look at is the value of their house. And totally. that's why we see a lot of those people leave. But unfortunately, when they leave, mm. 
you know, the next generation of hippie jocks isn't going to buy that place because it's too, too expensive. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other part of the aging conundrum is, you know, it's interesting. So when I, when I wrote about this about 15 years ago, people thought I was crazy. But uh, the second homeowners, the mm. weekend warriors who contributed so much to building Whistler, you know, many are retiring here. And many of them are deciding that, you know, while they had a, a suite in that home for so long, almost as a caretaker function, mm. uh, now that they live here, they don't want it. And, right. and, and we've lost a huge amount of what was de facto employee housing yeah. uh, to, to that attrition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, suddenly we, we, have a, we can't build housing fast enough for the worker bees that need it. Mm-hmm. That's what, en- yeah. In, in enough volume to continue to feed the machine. Totally. I mean, that's what, um, yeah, I was just thinking in terms of being solution-oriented, what what are our options in terms of, like you said, uh, the construction costs for buildings have gone up so massively, for for one thing. But if you're in terms of utilizing more space or expanding the Chequemus neighborhood or like those expansion plans initially before Vale acquired WB were for, you know, a an upload uh, just at the bottom of Kybers, as it were, to head on up that way to help potential traffic flows. So there's so much, you know, uh, lots of thought, but, it, but yeah, that has way more thought presses behind it as well. That's that's difficult to, you know, uh, execute. I mean, is it is it more housing? What if we were to get another Olympics and would have to build uh, athlete housing and then be able to turn that into, you know, more more staff housing? I don't know what the answer is. What what do you think could be our solution? I don't know, but we're living within a grand experiment yeah. because, you know, <laughs> yeah. obviously well, one of the solutions is to be smaller. Mm-hmm. And the fact is we're smaller this season, you know, whether it's the fact that uh, hotels don't have enough space to keep all their rooms open, even if they had people to put in them, mm-hmm. or restaurants can't stay open as many hours as they want because they don't have staff. Retail can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the grocery stores can't. Yeah. Uh, so the machine gets smaller for lack of inputs. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see whether it just bounces back to what it was pre-COVID once we are post COVID, assuming that happens sometime mm-hmm. or not. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But what a notion. I mean to have, you know, to want for enough and for businesses to not want perpetual capitalistic growth, you know, to look at a cap. But here we are having just discussed that, you know, WHA had a cap and that was considered outrageous. But I think it is it's a mindset, like you said, and in, in, in this great experimentation to to consider like, hey, just want for enough and if this is the max we can do like why not be happy to retain a community and a soul in our town and functionality and sustainability wow other than the fact that there there are there are no models we can point to at least anywhere in north america where anything like that has happened so and i you know i have having uh having financed a lot of real estate development uh when i still wore a suit and tie you know i i don't believe I don't believe smart developers are going anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, and whether or not that cap hangs tight or not, we'll see. Because there will always be somebody coming back with uh, with another plan that just looks too good to pass up. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy. 
But, you know, I don't know. I, you know, solutions, I, I'd still like to uh, see, which I floated a few times, a uh, foreign ownership tax yeah. on, on properties outside of the resort lands. You know, if you, if you want to live abroad and, and buy a place here, hey, buy one in the village that pays tourism whistler fees. Mm-hmm, uh, you mm-hmm. want to buy, buy in the neighborhoods, we're going to slap a big, big tax on you because, you know, because why not? Absolutely. Because, because <laughs> and, and, and maybe, prim- we'll, maybe we'll mitigate that tax if you, if you put a suite in it, if you provide, you know, some employee housing along the way. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've, I've, why not? You know, if people are in such a place of privilege and, you know, we've got 62 people on the planet that have more than half the wealth of the entire planet. <laughs> if, if Yeah, there should be a, a better way to stop that, that, yeah. that divide and that wealth gap. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to see smart people trying to figure out how to tap the local untapped labor market, mm-hmm. which is to say this aging population I've been talking about. Mm. Uh, you know, I know, I know historically they have a huge head start on us, but many European ski resorts seem to operate with significantly more local and older workers than we do. Interesting. Uh, w- why is that? You know, what can we mm. learn? What can we learn from them? How, how can we structure the jobs that need to be filled in such a way that they're attractive to the people who are kind of going? Eh, you know, I might work a little bit, but quite frankly, you know, you, you don't you don't want to meet my needs as far as hours and days and things like that. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, a French a French style lunch of two hours with a bit of wine, <laughs> wine in the middle would be terrific. <laughs> yeah, only if you had a Spanish style siesta. Afterwards. Oh yeah, just take a little bit from each culture, you know, and then definitely espresso from you know the Italian like way of things and spetzel and some little Alpine huts, you know, with like more localized cuisine or anything other than uh, chicken strips and fries would be great. <laughs> <laughs> or a bowl of soup to jiggle around. Oh, Max, yeah. Um, so phenomenal to chat with you. So, um, yeah, like uh, every, I know that you, like your last article this week, you said, you know, you you must, you must get some hate mail. I mean, oh, <laughs> Are you which, kidding? That's the biggest perk of the job. Oh, uh, you know, but that's, and I think, I think that's, you know, something that's, that's great that you've taken on, you know, the, uh, you know, to, to get that thick skin and understand that you are just doing things for the community and out of care and inciting discussion and opinion, but obviously copping it as well from some, uh, some well, individuals. Some my, my favorite people are the ones who say, you know what, I read you, but I don't always agree with you. <laughs> and I tell them, you know what? I don't always agree with it either, but I like to throw it out there to see what happens. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Oh, so true. So true. Well, uh, particularly loved your article about, yeah, with that in mind this week. <laughs> it's great. Oh, so Max, what do you, uh, what do you envision for the future, the, the immediate future? Well, how about, are we going to have some spring skiing? What do you think? That'd be nice. We haven't had any the last two years unless mm-hmm. we uh, skinned up while it was still allowed or went someplace else where we could skin up where there weren't any rules. It was a long skin, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, you know, no matter no matter what people say, you know, there's there's a certain buzz that comes from, you know, hiking up two hours to get a ten minute trip down. But uh, I 
got to say, I, I sure do like chairlifts. Yeah, it's so true. And like looking at that ski map in 1980, you know, and I'm, uh, we were, I was chatting with, uh, like I said, that gentleman Craig again today about how people would be sitting at the roundhouse and you would have hiked up, you know, along Little Whistler there and then uh, traversed all the way over to Shale Slope to get just, you know, wiggle after wiggle out on the, the Shale Slope face there or, or even just hiking for the camel humps. Like uh, now we have it so easy uh, with with chairlift access. Uh, it's uh, I'm 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 for one very grateful. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember a uh, a great conversation with a longtime Whistler local over a beer who was just fuming, <laughs> uh, smoke coming out his ears, spitting <laughs> fire. Oh no! You know, explaining how what an abomination Harmony Chair was. Oh. You know, how, how could they ruin that whole area by putting a chairlift in there? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I'm sure he's still, I'm sure he's clocking six or th- 7,000 meters a day thanks to that chair now. <laughs> yeah. Hard, hard to tell, but, um, mm. you know, yeah. I, I'll keep skiing here as long as I can, as long as I can, and they'll probably take me out boots first. <laughs> you know what? I hope to do the same. That's a good way to put it. You know, there's, uh, it definitely has its challenges, but I kind of like your outlook that, hey, we're living in a big experiment and, uh, well, yeah, well, we shall see. We've got to roll with the punches and keep skiing, right? We are. And I appreciate your, uh, interest in how we got here. Oh, fascinated. I, yeah. I, I'm always a little bit dismayed at people who, you know, come to town and look around and think, hmm, it's always been like this. Mm-mm. And and it's interesting. The history of this place is, is fascinating because there isn't anything like it in the world. Yeah. Uh, cer- certainly not that, that has grown, I, I, let mm-hmm. me use the word organically, as opposed to a place like Sochi, you know, that, sure. that was, you know, put there for a, a specific use by a, by an interesting government, uh, you know, there is there is no Canadian success story that even begins to touch the historic arc of Whistler's development. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were we were nothing in 1960. Mm. Isn't that yeah, yeah? I mean, I can't imagine what Lost Lake. I mean, I've seen images. You know, Lost Lake when it was actually truly lost, <laughs> along with so many other, uh, you know, areas. Some, I mean, the golf courses even. You know, having never seen what that wetland looked like beforehand. You know, it's uh, it fascinates me. It really does. Like that's like yeah, because uh, where where else do you have a parallel resort or and and history arc like you do here? Yeah. Uh, wow. Well. Next time we see each other, I'll, I'll give you an interesting book about that. Oh, terrific deal. <laughs> That'd be great. As long as we can sip some whiskey when, we're, uh, when I'm reading it and vice versa. <laughs> I've, I've been known to do that. <laughs> Max, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Uh, my pleasure, Laura. No, it really was. It really was. And uh, well, let's get a couple of ski runs in too. We can, we can, you can tell me a little more history on the chill if I'd love that. Okay, great. Okay, great. Well, have a wonderful day. I'm going to do some cross-country skiing this afternoon. Ah, I think I'm doing some editing this afternoon. Ah, of course. It'll be deadline day. Oh, in fact, no. It's... uh... No, this is something else. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Ah, Do you have anything you want to tell us about? 
Not right now. Not right now. Good. Okay. Save it for another time. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much, Max. Have a wonderful day. You too. Take care, Laura. Yeah. Chat soon. Okay, Bye. Bye-bye. The Whistle Pulse podcast is here for you every weekday morning at 7.15ish and is sponsored by Stinkies on the Stroll. Stroll on down for all your hunger, thirst, sporting, and apres needs.